All right. Hello, everyone, and happy Sunday. Welcome to another episode of Crypto with English. I'd like to warmly welcome a very special guest today, Victoria Soltes, the founder of PSP Angels. Her practice provides expertise and consulting to help businesses receive payments essentially faster despite the current global situation. So, you know, she has a vast background in tax and finance specialization and accounting. So she's going to enlighten us on kind of uh, the overall situation that many businesses, many people are facing today and also provide her insight as to how this is going to play in the Web3 decentralized finance era that we're living in. And this goes to the, I guess you could say the practices and tax the tax treatment of businesses and the way banks even operate. So we're going to cover a fair amount of ground today. So Victoria, thank you very much for coming on today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here and being invited to this show. <laughs> I was wondering if you could provide a, a little bit of a summary as to your background and the motivation and inspiration to create your business, PSP Angels. Yeah, sure. So um, I used to live in Cyprus, right? I worked as an accountant. And uh, back at the day when no one even knew what was compliance, uh, <laughs> many companies uh, wanted to optimize, uh, obviously, their uh, flow and optimize all the taxes that they are paying. So there was a huge um, amount of companies who uh, incorporated in Cyprus and obviously opened different bank accounts and opened even offshore entities. So um, that's how I gained a lot of clients. Uh, at the past and as compliance started to be a problem and the burden and banks started to ask more and more questions the big question was no longer where am I going to pay less tax where shall I concentrate my um, efforts and where should I set up my head office the, the main question was how am I going to get uh, paid? How can I move the money uh, right. from one bank account to another, from one country to another? So this is where I uh, realized that there is a huge need on the market for some kind of a payment intelligence, which explains how the banks think, how the payment uh, industry works, and make your life easier and uh, much more safer to navigate with these uh, payment providers and banks. Got it. So based on the way the Cypriot or Cyprus's tax structure is built, what makes Cyprus an appealing place for businesses, especially blockchain and cryptocurrency businesses, to go there right now? What does Cyprus offer that, let's say, other countries, other regions do not? Uh, Cyprus is a very unique uh, place, uh, as well as taxation, as well as re regulation, usually within the European Union, because uh, Cyprus always uh, positioned itself as a fintech hub. Um, and uh, that's why there were a lot of lot of uh, forex companies and investment brokers who incorporated right. in Cyprus. It's got a full regulatory framework around it. And now Cyprus introduced the blockchain regulation as well, which we are really hoping that uh, will gain a lot of uh, attention and bring a lot of uh, blockchain related businesses to the island. So obviously this is the beginning of the regulation uh, there are a lot of 
things to do there, uh, a lot of uh, details to, to discuss, but uh, it's very good to see that uh, the whole European Union and obviously Cyprus within the, the EU uh, is really focused on, on building some kind of regulatory framework around blockchain and, and inviting these kind of projects. Um, Cyprus still has one of the lowest tax uh, regime uh, within the European Union. It still right. has 12.5% corporate tax. Um, the accounting uh, background uh, for the island is, is very, very easily accessible. So it's easy wow. to file tax returns and it's easy to run a business. Um, so that could be very appealing as well, as well as now as, as the blockchain regulation coming up. Um, and it's also important to mention that uh, we are still trying to concentrate on, on uh, in, um, uh, bringing in all the blockchain projects, uh, offering them a, a good taxation framework. Um, we have to wait and see how it unfolds and, and what will be the final regulation. But as it now uh, stands, uh, there are still no taxation on any kind of dividends. And um, there are wow. very good taxation uh, background for the intellectual property uh, rights as well. So it's interesting to go around and, and, and see what the, what the island can offer. Wow, that's incredible. So, you know, as let's say a corporation or perhaps even as an individual, you can really preserve your dividend income uh, in light of, I guess you could say, the other tax regimes or tax structures across Europe. So um, I presume that would also apply to capital gains um, as well. Is that correct? That's right. I mean, obviously, okay. there are always details which need to be discussed with a with an accountant or a tax advisor. So there right. are certain things which uh, can affect obviously the taxation regime around uh, that. But right. overall, yes, there is no uh, dividend tax, and uh, the government is really trying to concentrate their effort on, on bringing in foreign investments. So there right. are a lot of um, government incentives what you can get for your blockchain projects. And needless to say that the community is also amazing so there are a lot of expertise within the island there is a very welcoming community uh, there are a lot of exciting projects going on so if someone has in mind to to visit the island i would definitely strongly recommend to to go there and uh, just look around at what the island has to offer right and just off the top of your head what is the average corporate tax across western europe you know, just, you know, ballpark figure, just, a, you know, a rough number. No, that's the thing, because, uh, you know, European Union is, is, is very similar to the, to the United States. So every state, which is every country in the EU, has a different tax regime and a different regulation right. around certain verticals. It's not only about blockchain, but it could be basically anything. So right. instead of United States, they, you guys have the federal tax and the local tax, the local state taxes. Correct. Um, in the European Union, every country can decide uh, what is the taxation that they want to charge for their companies, as well as the VAT, which is a general sales tax in your case, guys. So uh, there could be a huge difference from, as far as I understand, the effective tax rate, the lowest now in Malta with 5%. That nice. means that you pay 35, but you can claim back after the foreign dividend uh, for foreign investment 30%. So the effective tax rate is 5%, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, up to I think around 25 or 30% uh, percent in uh, uh, in other jurisdictions as well. I know that Germany has uh, very heavy taxations. But again, 
it depends where you're uh, where you're going. Also, it could be very very high taxation and, and VAT in Italy. I think Spain has uh, has very high taxes, but again. It depends on, on what kind of vertical and what kind of activity that you are doing, because it's one thing that what you pay as a corporate tax, but also as a person running the business, how much you pay on top of that as a, as a dividend tax. So that, those are the two things that worth considering. Right. And I really like the underlying philosophy of what your business uh, tr tries to provide expertise on. So how do banks think? I've never actually heard uh, a type of company or service like this preface like that. So kind of starting off from there, how do banks think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's very, very interesting. And, and, and it could be a huge burden mainly on startup companies and startup projects that you just don't think like a bank. And, and the problem with that is um, if you think that you can just go out and sell your coin online on your website and then you can nice. get Visa and MasterCard acceptance from day one and it's going to be free, unfortunately, or you're mistaken because yeah. this is unfortunately, this is now the how, how, how the world works. Even right. though that you have nothing, uh, no intention of cheating anyone or scamming anyone, the banks think that what could be the opportunity when something goes wrong because then they they have the penalty on their neck so what they try to eliminate is the opportunity of scamming people opportunity of misleading your investors or or clients or payers and that's how they are putting very strict rules and regulations of what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do just tell you an example if you have a the business, for example, which would like to uh, collect donations for, I don't know, poor people, it's a great idea. You've got good heart. You're trying to go out right. there and, and help help the people. However, nice. Visa and MasterCard is not going to support that or any other bank is not going to support that unless you've got a donation license because there is an opportunity mm. that you are not using the donation money what you're really collecting it for, right? Right. So that's why they are very, very certain about that. Okay, if you, I'm giving you the opportunity to collect money from people, first of all, you have to use um, you know, the, the, the security system of the bank to make sure that the payment is really coming from the person who is really willing to pay and nice. also that it goes to the, per, to, the, to the person that it's intended to. So you do need to have some kind of NGO or donation kind of collection license in this way or any other way, for example, let's stick to blockchain, is the same situation. You are creating a, a world-changing idea. You are creating the mm -hmm. best token in the world. Now, right. yes, you know that, but, but how the bank knows that? How the bank can be sure that you are not going to disappear with the ICO money and then what? they have to, you know, sweep up all the all the pieces of the investors of, of the complaining. Right. So that's why it's important that um, it's not about you doing anything wrong, but it's the opportunity, what can go wrong. And if you start thinking from this aspect, there could be a lot of problems and a lot of cost that you might not even calculate with, but this can really break your cash flow and really break your profitability, which is important in a new project. Right. So I, I guess, you know, to frame it another way, the first step in the way a bank thinks is from a more or less a risk management lens as far as how how far or how, or how fast can things go downward with this client 
you know, looking at everything yeah. as it is right now. Exactly. Okay. And also, uh, don't forget that where the money is coming from, that's also a very, very important right. aspect. Because you, um, as a payment institution, let's say that you're providing banking services or banking products out to the public, right? So right. it's your responsibility to submit all the reports of the, every single client of yours, making sure that no one is committing any money laundering or any right. terrorist financing. So right. that's why they introduce the KYC procedures, which is know your customer which means that if your customer arrives with a bag of cash you as a payment institution or a bank you have to be sure that this money is coming from legit sources the tax was paid right. after that is it not coming from you know bank robbery or whatnot <laughs> so sure. if you are not fulfilling this 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 important um, uh, checks then you as a payment institution gets a very very heavy penalty and why would you risk right. everything for one client so many yeah. times the banks are more likely to reject something that, you know what, I don't know you, I don't trust you, right. I don't really understand what you are doing, you know what, I don't really want to deal with you and risk everything, risk the penalty and risk an audit and my whole, my whole payment institution is going down, I would rather not take you. Now the problem is that meanwhile they are filtering out the scammy project and the scammy operations, which is good, they might actually give a stop sign for legit projects or legit businesses. And those right. businesses are actually sweating blood just to find a, a proper bank or a proper payment institution, which is willing to work with them. And this is when we are right. coming in the picture, because if you are applying to different banking institutions, if you're applying for a payment providers and you get rejected, and you don't know why, most probably because you're too high risk for these banks. And that's why you need someone, a payment expert, either in your team or in your friend circle or in your advisory circle or to even ask PSP angels to actually help you to why you get rejected. What is going wrong? What is in this application that something is not OK and that's why everybody is rejecting you? Now, yeah. the other problem could be that if someone is taking you, there might be a reason why they are taking you. If you're high risk, the payment providers that you're also working with are most, most likely to be high risk too. So how are you doing your due diligence? Who are you keeping your money with? And how much are you paying for it? Because many times I've seen that uh, there is a great project, they are working with a very small profit margin of uh, whatever, two, 3%. How can you make the project viable if you're paying, paying your payment institution 5% or even 6% of the payment processing? Right. And many times, unfortunately, these are the last things that the, uh, that the, that the new startup businesses are thinking about, that how much is going to be actually to bank, how much is going to be to collect uh, foreign currency, how am I going to exchange it, what is the bank account that I'm keeping it on, what is the amount that I'm keeping it. Uh, if you have one bank account, let's say, and you keep all the money there, how is it going to affect your business if that, that bank account freezes your funds for suspicious sure. transactions or, or something is going with that? So yeah, overall, those are the things that you're dealing with. <laughs> wow. So, you know, kind of going off that, do you think that blockchain companies or let's say blockchain startups, crypto startups, NFT startups, you know, what you, you name it as far as, you know, this space, if those type of companies are seeking some sort of business line of credit, by like kind of default, 
do banks generally view blockchain in this space as kind of a red flag? Because, you know, a lot of, I guess you could say, a lot of the revenue can essentially be made and realized outside of the financial system. Yes and no. And it really depends that which jurisdiction you are going to and what is the project that you have. Because if yeah. you are, uh, for example, um, in Europe, now what I understood that after, you know, the 2008 financial crisis, banks are much more reluctant of who are being, they giving any kind of credit or any kind of, uh, you know, right. support. So that could be a real challenge. I've seen many times that banks only give loans which when the collateral is money and obviously you're asking yourself that if i had money on the bank then right. why would i need you know any kind of loan for that right. um, but what i see and 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 this this could be very interesting to to start up businesses which are blockchain related that the government is giving a lot of lot of incentives through the startup hubs through the um innovation uh centers um european union funds or any other kind of support which might not even be used by these projects because they just simply don't know about. So right. as a rule of thumb, um, where you run your business from, that's where you should set up the company. So for example, right. if you're sitting in Germany, you should have a German business because you're running the business from Germany. So you should right. you know, pay German taxes and, 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 um, and report back to the German government on that. But that means that it's not a bad idea to sniff around that what is available for your type of project, because it could be surprisingly good uh, opportunity, what you might be missing out on and why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's say going off the concept of how a bank thinks. So let's say your blockchain startup, you're approved. So you, let's say you have the proper licenses and the business model seems legitimate to the bank. Then as far as step two, how would the bank determine a credit line or a loan for you know that type of, let's say, blockchain startup? Uh, I wouldn't even run that far that giving any kind of loans from these banks is just opening a bank account for your project might be a serious burden and might be a, right. a, a big problem. So not just only getting a credit for your project, but even just opening a bank account. Because right. many times I've seen uh, really good projects, uh, really good funding behind it, business plan is top notch. They just got the license. Everything is as it should be. Right. But the bank says that, hmm, you know what, I don't really think that this business is going to catch up. And don't forget that the banks are making money out of your money. So right. the more you earn, the more percentage, obviously, they, the, the percentage wise, the more money they take. So many right. times they say that, you know what, I don't really want to deal with startups because I don't really think that your business is ever going to catch up. Right. So why am I putting effort and energy and money uh, on your compliance to, to check your documents, just to evaluate you and just to integrate you and just to give you an opportunity to bank with me when I don't even know you will be successful. Go away, right. try somewhere else. 
Sure. Bring the volumes, build up your business. And when, when you have something to put down on the table to convince me that you are legit and this is a viable business, come back and then I might open an account for you. And this nice. is a lot of, lot of problem because, um, these, unfortunately, these, these, these val valuable uh, projects and, and good businesses are then forced to use less reliable banks and less reliable payment providers and much more expensive. And then many times, um, unfortunately, I've, 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 I've really seen that uh, firsthand that uh, the project is working great. They collect money from their clients and then something goes wrong with the payment institution. It's not their fault oh. that the money goes missing. But then, because the payment institution either put the, put the stuff on the funds, freeze the funds, maybe right. even, you know, just, just missing some funds, God forbid, they, they don't right. even pick up the phone and they go disappear, <laughs> then your project is in, the, in, is, is, is in the question that, okay, so it's a scammy project. Right. Even though that you that you did everything everything right, so you should also do a very serious due diligence on your banks and on your payment providers. That right. who is reliable enough, and obviously not to mention the cost. So it could be really really expensive to work with um, with a provider who is willing to take startup blockchain finance right. financial uh, you know investment kind of related projects. So whoever is taking that, there's a reason. So so they are also high risk. Got it. So you so, also need to. Yeah, yeah. No, and by the way, you explained that you know very beautifully. So thank you. So I guess if we have the brain of the bank here, so let's say one segment is risk management. What would be the other parts of the brain that let's say make up this banking system or this you know banking network? whether it's reviewing clients or just anything yes. else. Yes, also the bank is evaluating uh, your business based on who is paying you. So okay. obviously the risk for the bank's perspective that you are getting legit money <laughs> is much easier if you're getting money from another business, from an other trustworthy source. So right. for example, when you're paying money from an American bank to another American bank, because they are speaking, let's say the same language and they are under right. the same regulation, the same, you know, submission requirements for the regulator, they trust each other a bit more. Now, if the money would come from a less known country for the bank who is processing the payment, let's say that, for example, you want to accept money from, uh, I don't know, to uh, somewhere, I don't know, in uh, Eritrea, for example, in Africa, okay. they might not have the same regulatory framework, so they have less trust for the money which is coming from Eritrea that, that isn't going to be legit enough for me to accept it. Right. And it gets even worse when it's not coming from companies, but coming from individuals. So if you have a lot of clients who are putting money, small amount of money, from different banks all around the world, the bank is a bit like, oh, how am I going to check all this money from one by one? It's a lot of right. cost for me. It's a lot of effort. So many times what we see that they are not happy to open a so-called customer deposit accounts where you accept money directly from your customers because it's higher risk. 
then a business to business account, a B2B account. What means that when you're accepting money, it is from a company's account, from from other company which was already checked and already already established that it's like from alleged source. So Got also the, the 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 source of funds which goes into your business can be treated differently. And just stick to the blockchain project. If you have a lot of investors who are investing small amount of money from all over the world, the risk is higher than one of them will say that, oh, this is not what I wanted to invest money for and create ways, which is going to cost you money right. as a banking institution to investigate what's going on and justify the mistake. Uh, rather than having one investor with with putting a larger amount and saying that exactly this is what I want because it's easier to check one document than obviously right. five hundred. So that's also something that um, that needs to be considered when you are when you're getting funding, for example, your your new project or when you're selling any kind of services uh, online. So that's right. also something that that how the banks think. Now the other interesting thing that uh, maybe maybe it's worth mentioning is that that's one thing that your bank is accepting money for you right. but how can you move that money to another bank account to another jurisdiction let's say you've got an adult entertainment related business you okay. open an account in america that's fine and you open an account in europe that's fine okay. now imagine that you try to send the money between one account to another these banks are communicating through a so-called intermediary banks because obviously Bank of America's branch in Wyoming might not have a direct communication line with the Credit Suisse in Paris, right? Sure. But they need to communicate to each other through a so-called intermediary banks. That's the kind of bank which is collecting all the information and clearing out all the payments on a daily basis. Now, if the bank in the middle, the intermediary bank does not have the risk appetite for your business, in this example is the adult entertainment, they have all the right to reject the payment. So you will I not see. be able to spend money, even though that you have two separate bank accounts in right. two different continents, because the intermediary bank is blocking the transaction. Oh, now, wow. that also needs a bit of planning. That also needs a bit of uh, forward thinking. And, and, and that's also something that you need to investigate when you're opening a bank account, that who are the intermediary banks and are they okay with, uh, with your activities? So that's, that, wow. that, that could be also an extra burden. Now, Let's get down to crypto, right? Because at the end of the day, this show is about, you know, cryptocurrency and how to get paid. No, by the way, these are all great points. So, like, take your time going through all this. This is all very good context and information. No, but, 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 but that was the whole point uh, originally that the people said that, you know what, I'm not a payment. And, and, you know, on top of that, everything is changing all the time. Let's, let's, right. let's not even mention that because the bank has new requirements on a daily basis. Your document sure. has expired. You need to submit the new ones. So it is a constant headache. So, of right. course, people said that, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of that. It's hard. It's costly. It's burdensome to transfer money to one account to another. So why don't we do it in crypto? So the whole idea of the cryptocurrencies was that make payments easier, cheaper, faster, and more effective, right? right? That was the whole idea. But right. as you can see now that what the banks are afraid of, what I mentioned at the beginning, that they try to eliminate all the scams and all the, sure. all the, all the illegit businesses, 
that's why it's very hard that even though that you're making it easier for the legit businesses, you also make it easier for the illegitimate, the, illegitimate you know, the illegal too. businesses. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that is the problem that whatever helps, obviously, the good businesses, it also helps the, the bad guys too. So that's why the crypto is, even though it's supposed to be better and cheaper and easier, since it's better and cheaper and easier for the bad, buy, bad boys as well, it's, it's, it's harder to, to, to find out what's, uh, what's going on. So Got this it. is basically this, this double-edged sword. But the good thing is that everything is at least in the blockchain. So as the blockchain is concerned, everybody's saying that, yes, it's an uh, anonymous transaction. It's, it's not really. Because when you think about it, with the blockchain technology, you can really follow up from the mining point when the crypto was actually right. born. And you can follow up that from where it goes to what wallet and after what wallet and after what wallet. So you can really follow up what is the source of funds instead right. of relying on the document that your client is submitting you in case that you're a bank and you try to make sure that where is this money coming from? Oh, yeah, it's, it's all legit. Is it really? Do you really believe it? Or you can actually follow it up on the blockchain and you can see exactly that. Uh -huh, I know where it came from and I know exactly that the source of funds are, are legit. So this wow. can be used um, in a very beneficial ways as well in banking uh, to follow up all these all these uh, transactions through the hash. Wow. By the way, that was greatly put. And by the way, I think this information should be taught in a uh, tax law course in law school. This is this is excellent. So I have a, a question based on one of the examples you gave. So let's say you take an adult entertainment business. Do banks have biases against businesses and industries that come from, let's say, those areas? So let's say if there's two companies that are both seeking to open a bank account Different owners. One company is an adult entertainment company. The other company is, let's say, a generic financial services software type company. Let's say all things being equal between these companies. Is there a situation where essentially the bank is going to let the generic, boring, let's say, financial services type software company open that bank account? and perhaps deny the adult entertainment company from opening the same bank account, so to say. Obviously, obviously. And put yourself right. in, the, in, in the shoes of the banker. Imagine that you have 30 applications in front of you. You've got a supermarket, which is very low risk, right? What can go wrong with a right. supermarket, which is bringing millions great right. you let it go millions that means that these guys are going to give me millions as well in banking fees great thing i like them i take them then you have the next company which is let's say a pharmaceutical company hmm pharmaceutical you need a license guy right yes yes right. yes of course we got all the licenses yet still if something goes wrong and someone god forbid dies of the drugs that these guys are selling then right. you, as a payment institution, is a part of the, first of all, the scandal, second of all, how did you uh, get right. the payment through, third of all, all of that. Now, obviously, you say that, huh, well, okay, maybe I'm not going to get that through. Now, the next application is a startup business, which obviously doesn't have any track record, 
Is it going to catch up? Maybe not. What is the volume? Well, they are expecting two, three thousand dollars for a month as a volume. Okay, it's not going to make me rich, right? right? What is the risk here? Well, the risk is that it's a startup business, it's blockchain related. Maybe there is an opportunity here for money laundering. Ooh, okay, I'm not going to take that. Right. I will send them away. Come back when you have any kind of track record. I can see that you've got good working banking connections. You are bringing a lot of volume on the table. Come back and then we negotiate. So obviously the banks are thinking in this way that they always prioritize the low risk verticals the lowest companies which have right. no problem whatsoever who don't need a license who don't have any kind of reputational damage opportunities as an adult entertainment as a right. you know gambling companies for example and it has the least amount of risk but the huge amount of opportunity to earn money in banking fees so the right. bigger the volume and the lower the risk obviously those guys have the the banking world as their oyster they can open account it's not a problem they don't need sure. a payment consultant the right. problem starts when you have a higher risk vertical and you get a lot of rejections from the banks because then it can take a lot of time and a lot of effort to actually find a partner who even wants to talk to you, who even wants to give you an right. opportunity to prove yourself that your business is legit and will make the payment institution rich as well. Because at right. the end of the day, everybody wants to see that. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, going off that and maybe playing devil's advocate here, is there any type of bank or any situation that would, let's say, back to our example, choose let's say allowing that adult entertainment company to open the bank account versus let's say a generic financial services software type company the reason why i ask this is because um especially here in the united states certain industries are known to still be profitable despite recessions and depressions so whether it's things like you know alcohol gambling as you mentioned um even you know let's say adult entertainment you know these things have kind of historically been more liquid and durable like during, you know, financial downturns. So I kind of want to know what your thoughts were on that. Definitely. And, um, and there are a lot of new companies which are being born through these hard times, because obviously these are the, you know, <laughs> beneficial right. businesses. But right. yeah, um, what I can, what I can say is that every bank has a portfolio of clients and the portfolio yeah. of clients have a low risk and high risk clients. The low risk clients are, not really giving that much of a profit margin because they, these guys can open a bank account everywhere. So right. there is more uh, supply than demand for these kind of accounts. So that means that every bank wants the big clients, the good clients, right. the low risk clients. So whoever is getting those accounts, you cannot really charge an arm and a leg. You need to stay within your lane. You need to give benefits and bonuses and whatnot to attract right. those kind of low risk clients. Now, when you have these low risk clients, then the risk guy at the bank says that, guys, how are we going to make money here? Because right. these low risk guys are even though low risk, these guys are not going to make us rich. So there is a certain percentage of the portfolio when you can go a bit higher risk, which right. means that you can charge extra for your services because you're willing to take the risk because if anything I goes see. wrong, that makes the sense. portfolio is balanced out. Yeah. Right. 
So that's why, that's why everything is changing all the time. Because if your banker nailed a huge business with, um, I don't know, uh, Waitrose or Asda or Tesco's or Walmart or any kind of right. uh, low-risk uh, mogul, which is bringing millions of volumes to the bank, then you have now the opportunity to open up and be a bit more risk-taking, yeah. risk where you're yeah. charging more to your clients. Exactly. Wow. So, but when, for example, you're losing one of those big low risk clients, then you have to say that, okay, guys, from now on, we are not going to take see. Uh, pharmaceutical companies. We are not going to take educational companies. We are not going to take, you know, travel companies because if something goes wrong, then it really affects us as a bank and really puts us in the negative. So that is the kind of job of the risk first, obviously, other than a million other things as well. Like right. I try to take it really, you know, you know, yeah. easy and clear that 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 is the, the the job of the person who is determining what should be the risk appetite of that payment institution wow. and what is the portfolio that they are they are really concentrated on. So this is how the, the banking works more or less as, as, as terms of risk. Well, that well, that was definitely very enlightening and that definitely makes a tremendous amount of sense. So thank you for that. So. Going off of that, would it be fair to say that a bank would be more willing to take risks when things are going well? So let's say, you know, they with their traditional solid book of clients, let's say the Walmarts of the world and things like that and the Costco's of the world and like the the uh, I guess you say the CVS's or, you know, other companies like um, Aldi, you know, that big supermarket chain across Europe. It, and we now have it in the United States as well. Yeah. So let's say if those clients are doing well, or at least they're consistent as far as, you know, the cash flow and what they're depositing, then would I get, would the bank manager or whoever's, let's say, doing the portfolio management of the company, would they essentially then look at that, let's say that, that casino or that adult, adult entertainment company and think, you know what, maybe we can, maybe we can do something with, uh, you know, with this company, with these uh, entrepreneurs here, maybe we can see how we can make them a client. But then, of course, like you said, naturally, the fees and the cost for the services are going to go up, too, because of, I think, the perceived risk profile of some of those industries, right? Exactly. I'm taking right. more risk, but you have to pay for it. I mean, right. I'm taking the risk. You need to take a part of that as well. So that's why huh. higher risk right. industries are tend to obviously pay more to right. balance out the risk. And uh, that's why low risk clients can process payments in, in, in a lowest cost possible because I've got the choice. I can take my business anywhere. But for higher risk clients, they have a certain amount of banks that they can work with. And obviously right. the bank says that, you know what, these are my fees. Take it or leave it. And, right. and that's how, you know, the demand and supply equals out each other in terms of price. Right. So let's say on the flip side of that, let's say at the beginning of, you know, March 2020 of the COVID lockdowns. And then let's say I'm a bank and I'm now facing two different clients, you know, back to the previous example. Uh, one company is providing generic financial services over like a software application. The other one is that adult entertainment company. In that situation, as the bank, I would probably nine out of 10 times say no to the adult entertainment company, especially during the COVID-19, you know, pandemic. And you could say, 
you know, um, global financial crisis that came out of that too. So like in that situation, I, most of those kind of companies would get rejected, like adult entertainment, casinos, probably a lot of crypto and blockchain startups as well, right? Yes, exactly. But uh, also don't forget that uh, it's really down to the bank's own management and risk uh, decisions of right. what they find risky. Don't forget that there are certain verticals which are illegal because the bank's jurisdiction or because right. the jurisdiction of the of the of the target audience cannot handle these kind of uh, industries, right? Got it. Because in certain certain countries, uh, for example, adult entertainment is illegal. Certain right. countries, gambling is illegal, right. right? So if you have any shareholders in 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 that kind of uh, payment institution. Obviously, you're not allowed to deal with these kind of uh, verticals, even though that you want to. Right. So that also determines that what is allowed and what not. Or, for example, there is another uh, example, uh, CBD and medical marijuana kind of products. Right. There are certain countries which is allowed, which is fine. Mm. Obviously, there is a, regulation, a regulatory framework around that. But there are certain countries which legalize these kind of products. Meanwhile, in other countries, it's illegal. Now, right. imagine that you've got a new application who says that I'm a startup. I will sell these kind of products. Where? Worldwide. Mm. How oh. am I going to filter out as a bank to, to know that you are not selling it well. to that you're not supposed to, right? Because yeah. it's one thing that if the, if, if the company gets the penalty, that's one thing, but you right. as a payment institution also very in the wrongdoing when you are allowed to accept payments in certain jurisdictions when you're not allowed to. So this also adds a lot of lot of burden and a lot of technical difficulties as well to filter out how are you going to provide these kind of payment services to these industries. So that's also something else that we haven't even mentioned, but, but also gives a, a lot of food for thought that when you are operating in a, in, in a kind of like a business where it's allowed in certain jurisdictions, but it's illegal in certain other jurisdictions, yes. it's also an extra burden on the payment service provider. And we don't need to go far, cryptocurrency. There are right. certain countries where the crypto is still illegal. So if you right. have a crypto exchange and I'm giving you the services of a MasterCard, Visa, uh, American Express acceptance or, or whatnot, how am I going to filter out that the guy who is buying these kind of cryptocurrencies are from a jurisdiction which allows these kind of purchases and, and how am right. I going to filter out if it's not? So that's also a very, very big question mark. Wow. And that is an excellent distinction you made, um, you know, more from, I guess you could say the marketing and business development side, especially when you're pitching to like, you know, different, you know, venture capital groups or angel investors and family offices, when you're essentially presenting your company and, you know, a lot of times, you know, the founding team, you know, naturally they want their product to make money all over the world. So a lot of times it's pitched as, yes, this is going to be a global product that's going to be everywhere. So often it seems that actually sounds very good in that context. But I would imagine people who are, let's say, from that startup world in blockchain, when they go to the bank and then they tell the bank, yes, our product, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be making money and generating revenue from all different countries. Then that's a big red flag for the, for the bank. Wow. Exactly. That and is the some bank solid is, wisdom course, there. The bank is having a heart attack. Exactly. And the right. bank is having a heart attack that... Where are you going to sell your services? 
globally. And right. no, 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 you're not allowed to sell globally. So what usually the bank asks in this case is either a legal opinion. So an authorized legal wow, lawyer, law firm is actually confirming that your business is operating in certain jurisdictions legally. Right. Or some kind of license in case that you need any kind of license for your activities. And that's also very, very important because then the bank is placing all their trust in a law office saying right. what is what is current and what not. Now, many times, mainly when uh, when we are talking about crypto exchanges, uh, the legal opinion is only valid for a certain amount of time. Why? Because everything is changing all the time, right? So if right. you're bringing a legal opinion, which is a year old, there might have been so many things changed. There might have been, you know, um, countries which already regulated the crypto exchange. There might be countries which, which said that, uh, you know, that certain kind of activity is no longer legal. So right. the legal opinion is also important to be as fresh as possible. And also, you have to submit these kind of legal opinion on an ongoing basis to the bank, which is then making sure that you are not, not in a wrong. Because that's, that's one thing to open a bank account and open a payment provider connection. And it's another whole story to maintain it and make sure that the bank is happy with all your activities and not going to freeze your account or not going right. to close your account. Because that's the other thing that how is your business um, going to, how much your business going to suffer in case that the bank all of a sudden starts putting a stop on your, on your incoming funds? How much is it going to affect your business? So that's another thing that you need to have always a backup, but right. since the banks want to see volume, how are you sharing your volume between the different payment providers that everybody is happy and you optimize the volume with the cost and obviously uh, all the fees that you're paying for this payment institution? Because don't forget, the higher the volume, the lower the fee. So let's say that if you're operating in a, uh, in a business which is generating, let's say, 50 million per, uh, per month, uh, the worst you can do is to trust all that money with one provider but obviously the provider's <laughs> biggest right. business is to get the 50 million in right. every single month right. but, but how is it going to really affect your business that if something goes wrong with that payment institution your 50 million per month gets frozen then obviously you know the, the whole operation is gonna gonna suffer a big time so right. how you optimize the volume and how you optimize your cost and your risk trusting all these payment providers across your operation that's another serious planning that you need to do um wow. where, where you need where you need a payment professional on, on 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 the team so for example let's say me being based in the united states if i go to a bank and i'm seeking to open a business bank account there i explain my business and let's say it's asked at some point is this going to essentially be generating money overseas is this going to be involving like an overseas customer base where essentially you know volume you know volume and revenue is going to be extracted from them? i said no this is going to be a purely us based new york based you know company so deep down inside you know those bank i guess you could say those bank officers feel like oh okay good we could we could check this one off and <laughs> get online go go open your account so to say and I would imagine it'd be the same in Cyprus, you know, uh, as well. So, hi, my name's Adam English. This is my company. It's going to be based in Cyprus. It's incorporated in Cyprus, and it's only going to do business in Cyprus. Same scenario. Good. Get online. Go open that bank account then. 
Wow. Yes, that is exactly. very, that's exactly. fascinating. Say the yeah, least. Yeah. And there is another, there is another important thing that, uh, that I feel like I need to touch on, uh, sure. which is uh, incorporating companies offshore or incorporating companies where you're not present. Okay, now, yeah. that's a very interesting subject because I faced that many, many times that, you know, but Victoria, I figured it all out. I've got a great idea. I'm going to start a business and I will start to incorporate my company in an offshore jurisdiction. So I optimize my tax. I don't have any tax. It's a happy day. Now, obviously, right. the governments are not stupid. So the government say that if you are living in a country, that means that you're managing and operating that company from that country. So technically, you should have a company right. in that jurisdiction where you live. Obviously, pay the taxes, pay the VAT, pay whatnot, you know, have, have local kind of presence and pay your dues according to that. Now, if you're taking your business away and you're taking it offshore, the government cannot go to all these offshore jurisdictions and tell them that, no, 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 guys, you need to charge tax because the offshore jurisdiction says that, you know what, I don't care what you say. This is my sovereign right. I can do whatever I want. So the only place that they can really grab these kind of companies not to take the money out is the banking system. Mm. So they make their life an absolute hell to move money in and out of the country. Right. So that means that you can have an offshore company. It's not illegal. Absolutely fine. But good luck actually finding a bank account, which is accommodating your money movement needs. So well. at the end of the day, you are taking a huge amount of risk of banking with those kind of providers who are willing to take an offshore company and willing to assist in a so-called tax evasion system, which is obviously <laughs> illegal or any kind of tax optimization anymore, because at the end of the day, how the system is set up that you might end up paying more by taking a higher risk and paying more to these kind of payment providers who, who are accepting this offshore setup. So even though wow. that many people think that I'm clever because I get it all figured out, I'm not right. going to pay taxes in the US or, or whatnot, Still, you have a serious difficulty to move the funds around and even clear it out. So if you want to buy a house, if you want to buy a car, you will not be able to if the source of funds from these offshore jurisdictions and uh, if, 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 if you don't prove somehow that you've got a, a real substance uh, in the country that you're operating your business. So that's also something that the banks are very particular about for all the good reasons. Wow. So hypothetically, let's say I wanted to open a certain type of blockchain tech company. So if I was to essentially have that company exist in both the United States and Cyprus, that would be one big headache for myself and also the banks because they're going to because they're going to be concerned about things like the source of funds. They're going to be concerned about uh, loopholes or any type of exploitative activities, hypothetically, on my part. Right. Ideally, if you have one in the U.S., then it's all regulated by the U.S. and the source of funds should be clear because it's within the U.S., right? right? If you have it in the EU, European Union, right. that is also regulated by the European Union, so Cyprus should not give you any kind of headache. But if you are taking it to offshore jurisdictions, for example, any country in the oh, Caribbean. okay. Right. Or that any was going to be my next. You know, yeah. those, those, then that's exactly, truly where the so, issue lies. So okay. so-called tax havens. 
Exactly. And then you try to convince your local banker that I want to transfer millions and millions of my offshore jurisdiction, my offshore company, then the red flags are rising because then they are asking that why are you having an offshore company instead of having a company in the European right. Union, in Cyprus, right. for example, or in the US? Uh, why are you running uh, an operation where you effectively don't pay any tax and then you are trying to bring in the money to the United States or to, to European Union and try to try to spend it here. So that's when the problem. Starts. I see. So, you know, back to that example. So to kind of further clarify your point. So if I hypothetically was trying to do something based out of either, let's say, the Cayman Islands or the British Virgin Islands, which I know both those two regions have a you know, notorious reputation for better or for worse as a tax haven and, and whatnot. And then simultaneously try to do business in Europe, whether it's Cyprus or, or anywhere else. That is going to be a huge red flag and issue for that bank seeing that, okay, you have essentially right. point A in the Caribbean here and point B here in Europe. This is going to be a relatively large risk on our part to take you on as a client. I guess that's how the bank would look at that, exactly. right? Wow. Exactly. You really hit the, the nail at the head. And, and also the further burden is that uh, many times these jurisdictions don't even require you to submit any financial statements, any audited reports. So technically you're doing whatever you want because you don't have to pay tax right. on that. So right. that makes it even harder to justify what was the source of funds. Because if someone is asking, how did you earn that one million? And you say, mm, I don't need to run books. I don't need to audit. I don't need to submit financial statements anywhere because there, there are no taxation requirements in the country of the jurisdiction that I'm operating, then good luck bringing that money into the European Union or to the United States, because then the source of funds is very questionable. Wow. And, and kind of going off of that, when it comes to questionable funds, you know, through my research and even just things I hear on the news, you know, whether they're organized crime syndicates and groups or even terrorist groups, there is this practice of, let's say, these type of groups setting up numerous shell companies and moving money across like different shell companies in order to appear legitimate over time. How difficult is that for banks to detect or, or deal with? Because a lot of times it seems when you hear these big controversial, you could say arrests and incidents, they're relatively complex, you know, to say, to say the least. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the reason that it has to be complex, because the banks are nowadays really, really checking what is the source of funds, if every document is in place, if I'm very confident where the money comes from and everything is legit around it, that's the only time when the compliance officer is getting it through. And not to forget that nowadays there are serious softwares which can, which can filter out that uh if there is any you know shady past or, or any kind of fraud committed by any of the person who is related to that company in terms right. of ownership in terms of directorship then obviously it automatically raises a red flag so many times when we have for example politicians yeah that is a high opportunity for corruption so that oh. is extremely carefully checked extremely carefully checked 
uh, by the banks that if a politician, for example, is getting money, that they have to have extra due diligence to make sure that the source of funds are legit and, and it, the politician is not getting any kind of corruption funds. So, so that wow. also gives an extra burden on that. So that's, yes, it's... Uh, it's getting it's getting harder and harder to be a yes. criminal, and it costs more and more. So this is right. how, how obviously the world is trying to fight against the the criminal activities. So based on that, so if you're in the United States and let's say you're a senator or a congresswoman or a congressman, you open a bank account, or let's say you're in, you're in Europe, you're a European or you're a let's say a local mayor, the banks are going to have essentially an extra pair of eyes. On your banking activities because they're thinking okay this is of a public this is a public official they're very susceptible and vulnerable to things like corruption possible bribery even vulnerable to just lobbyists you know things like that exactly wow exactly and of course all for the good reasons because then the the easiest uh, money laundering act that i can think about is that i'm a politician and people are just giving me money to support right. my campaign where the money comes from oh i became a millionaire and uh, all the money ends up in my lap it's it's not as easy uh, <laughs> right. and it shouldn't be easy as like that so so that's why it's really really regulated of how are you allowed to to accept money who are the individual or companies that you're accepting money and yes the bank has to take a huge piece of that due, due diligence pie which wow. is running around these kind of funds to make sure that there is there is nothing uh, illegal or or even un, un, unethical is going around uh, right. that kind of money movement so going back to the mind of the bank so if let's say you're in cyprus and a local politician let's say a mayor well-known mayor let's say wants to open the bank account and let's say that mayor you know because you know they're very popular both on social media and in person they have their own charity they have their own let's say podcast show which is it's like own separate corporation and they have their own uh book deal think you know so the bank is probably looking at this client thinking this is going to be a headache we're going to really have to do exactly. our due diligence with everything this client does whether it's you could say royalties from the book um whether it's let's say donations through their foundation which also banks at this bank and then um and even probably just other miscellaneous deposits you know so to say probably even the small amounts i would imagine are looked at with like such scrutiny exactly and wow. of course for all the good reasons because because it's easier to do money laundering when you are uh when you are around these kind of high-risk activities like being right. like a politician so yes and uh and obviously the banks are making sure that everything is as it should be so yeah right wow thank you for uh thank you for elaborating and explaining that so kind of a little bit more onto your business what kind of problems do your clients, um, you know, come to you with and, you know, seek out your advice and expertise on? And, you know, conversely, what kind of solutions do you like ultimately provide them with or what kind of direction or how do you steer them really towards like the right, you know, way to go? 
so yeah these are the these are the questions that are usually um, uh, I'm getting on a daily basis and and this is the kind of service that we provide so we uh, make you understand how to plan your payments ahead and how right. to actually think like a bank as we as we mentioned at the beginning where your money comes from how much how often what currency what are the payment providers that you're currently using what are your payment providers that you're willing to add to your portfolio how you're channeling the payment what are the risks that you are taking with that payment provider what is the cost that you are paying for them is there any room for negotiations are there any better cheaper safer payment providers right. for example when you want to open up to new jurisdictions uh you say that i'm very very you know successful in the united states let's go to southeast asia who are the providers that you can trust who are the providers that are accepting your business right who are the providers that have a track record based on other companies that doing the similar activities than you how likely they are giving you a, a good service on a, on a on a good fee so these are the kind of things that we are always uh, uh, trying to help our clients with and since i mentioned that everything is changing all the time it is a constant, I would say, battle to optimize your payment flow and, and make sure that you are using the, uh, the lower risk and the lowest cost opportunities uh, by, by understanding what is available on the market and, and making wow. sure that you are making the most out of what is available for you. Wow, that's, uh, that's awesome. And just to talk a little bit about your accounting background, considering the great depth of information um, you've provided. Can you talk a little bit about your experience as an accountant and the type of clients and type of work you, uh, you know, you completed and came across in your career? Yes, so um, I was an advisor to multiple so-called higher risk projects. So I was uh, I was working yeah. a lot with the uh, forex brokers, investment brokers. I was right. working with um, uh, gambling companies. I uh, I was working. I was advising for blockchain projects. So this is how I came across the problems what these verticals really face, right. and that gave the you know the basis of the of the business of PSP Angels of, of helping these clients with the uh, with the payment. Uh, payment consulting that uh, that we are providing at the moment but um, um, as an accountant I understand that what are the limitations of the financial personal that you have when it comes to payment because right. you have an accountant and a tax advisor for accounting and tax advising jobs right, right. you've got a lawyer for 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 lawyer kind right. of jobs but who is the one who is advising you anything about payment because many times the accountant is not aware because simply it's not the accountant's job to be aware of, of what is out there on the, on, on the market when it comes to right. payment providers. Many times the accountant doesn't know how to think like a bank because it's not their job. Yeah. The lawyer can only advise you what is legal and what is not legal, but they might not understand what is legal might not be taken by the banks. That for example, being a politician is absolutely legal, but no one tells you that it's going to be a problem to open bank accounts and move money. Not because it's illegal, it's because higher risk for the banks. Right. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of uh, knowledge gap that we are feeling at the moment on the market. When it comes to payment consulting, 
whereby I personally believe that every company would really benefit of payment consulting. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot of lot of uh, lost money and lost effort and a lot of time that you're losing by trying to find out who is accepting you instead of going to a payment consulting firm and, and actually try to try to understand that where you're going wrong and, and how you can actually optimize your risk and costs. So, right. so that's the that's the kind of new knowledge on the market which not not everybody is talking about, but everybody would really benefit if if they understood that there could be easier, cheaper, and better ways to to do your payments. Wow, yeah, that is that is awesome. And you know, Victoria, I may have to reach out to you in a, in a few months too. You know, down the line as well, because a lot of these things they are not intuitive. And in fact, they're actually quite the opposite. So, you know, as you mentioned before, I think a lot of people would think, oh, a bank is getting the senator as a client. People are, you know, people think, oh, wow, the bank must be so excited about that. No, the bank is looking at all these vulnerabilities and potential risks taking on, let's say, politicians, for instance, who are susceptible to things like corruption, bribery, and you could say in a better position to conceal the source of their funds than, than other people. Yeah. you know things things like that so that that's is right that's that is right. great i had this old law professor and she said trying to be your own lawyer is like trying to do surgery on yourself and i will say you know working in blockchain i have met people who've tried to you know kind of be their own you know tax and accounting expert by self-education now i'm all about self-education however there does come a point where you ha absolutely have to seek out expertise because the let's say the the time and you could say potential risk so to say you will take on yourself just to do everything by yourself is probably a lot greater than realized you know having an expert will know where exactly to look and how exactly to look at the materials and you know also can also do that job much faster and efficiently like for instance you know i have a law background if I was to try to look up this stuff myself, A, it's going to take me an incredible amount of time. But also B, I may not be looking at the right sources or I may not be looking at the correct sources in the right way. So if I do something, then that's totally on me, you know, because you're thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm going to save a few bucks or no, 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 I can, I can do this. So, you know, I would behoove anybody to you know who's list you know who's going to be listening and kind of digesting the information from this episode um take heed to these very particular specific points because to be honest i'm not even sure some of the explanations and the processes can just be so easily found in a book or in some sort of like secondary source or or anything like that i mean I would like based on today, I wouldn't even know where to start looking with some of those points that you've raised. Exactly, exactly. And uh, and that's the that's the thing that it doesn't cost a lot to get an expert on your team when it comes right. to these kind of critical points, but it can cost a lot not to have when you really need them. And it right. can cost a lot not to have those experts when things go wrong. When yeah. then you apply to banks, when someone disappears with your money, when 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 the right. bank uh, shuts down your operation after two weeks of opening, those are very very costly red flag 
high risk areas that you can really eliminate just by saying, hey, can you look at the, the setup? What do you think about it? What is the real risk that I'm taking when it comes to, you know, banking right. and payment, uh, payment flows? Right. And, you know, going a little bit off that, um, can you talk about some of the uh, conventions and conferences you'll be at this year? You know, perhaps as a speaker or, you know, as a guest and kind of uh, what you have in store for 2022? Right. Uh, I haven't finalized everything later on because unfortunately the situation is, is, is less than, less than right. ideal in Europe. I'm sure that you know that, that yes. we are in the verge of like uh, life changing. Uh, yeah. Possible uh, World War Three. Yeah. The world war and all of that. Yeah. So I didn't dare to plan a, a lot ahead, but uh, I was already in Dubai and the crypto yes. conference, the AIBC, artificial intelligence yes, blockchain conference. Um, I will be, yeah, I will be speaking on the Forex Expo, Forex Broker Expo in Cyprus uh, on the 31st of March. In awesome. And uh, I will be also present at the ICE, which is the biggest gambling conference in London uh, in April. So those are the conferences. Then if someone wants to meet me person, definitely will find me. But uh, I would encourage anyone to, to have a look at my uh, LinkedIn profile because I'm Absolutely. always posting my speaking uh, engagements there. And uh, if obviously has any, uh, anyone has any further questions or any, any other any queries, then no, I'm here. I'm here to help. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's excellent. And I have to say, Victoria, it was an absolute pleasure having you come on to the show today. These finer points and this very specific and nuanced information. These are things not easily found. And these are also things people have to have in mind consciously as they go about essentially creating a business. And then how do we handle our revenue and how do we put it in a bank with all of these different types of risks in mind? So, you know, this was incredibly enlightening, I have to say. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, regardless of your industry, these are going to have to be things you're going to have to keep in mind and learn about, preferably through an expert, somebody who's had your background or similar backgrounds, you know, along, you know, along this journey. So, you know, Victoria, I would love to have you uh, come back on for like a follow up episode later this year and perhaps, you know, pick up from uh, where we left off today, because this is this this information is beyond valuable. So I would I would say to anybody. Please watch this ep episode, watch and rewatch this episode. Within one hour, Victoria covered a tremendous amount of ground for anybody looking to do any project as an entrepreneur or enterprise. So Victoria, again, thank you so much for coming on today. This was so informative and enlightening. I really do appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. As I said, uh, just just let me know in case anyone has any further questions or or need any information. Um, I'm very happy to you know just uh, give my insights about any project and uh, and assist as, as as much as I can. Excellent. And take care. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Have a great thank day. You. you too. <laughs>